Lior at uh, employmenthour.com is the email. Uh, we're going to get to some interesting things today. We got uh, the announcement uh, of, uh, of something new for you guys and a new show coming here uh, starting next week. So we'll have uh, Savannah in talking about that and uh, talk about the shifting hours and this show itself, the employment hour. But first, as we always get to the week that was. Thanks, John, and welcome everyone on the show. As you know, I like to always start off by talking about a few matters that I dealt with this week. So, uh, you know, if you're in the same situation, you know what to do, you understand you're not the only one, and you understand that there's something that can be done about your, your case. So let's start, uh, and the first thing I'll talk to you about, I had two situations this week where individuals had signed fixed-term contracts. And in one of the cases, the person had signed a five-month contract, and the other one a six-month contract. In both of those cases, the actual contract document was very brief. So you're going to work for five months. Here's what your job's going to be, and welcome aboard. And by the way, fixed-term contract, as the name suggests, is a contract that has a specific end date. Now, uh, in each of these cases, the person was let go after about one month. No real reason was given, so maybe the employer was not thrilled with the performance, or maybe the employer felt that they didn't really need the person for the full uh, duration of the contract. Each of these people was given no notice and no severance because the employer figured, well, you've only worked for a few weeks. I don't have to Mm -hmm. pay you anything. Uh, And they were told on a Friday, today's going to be your last day. Now, if you've been listening to the show, you know that what those employers have done is not legal. With the fixed-term contract, the employer has to pay out the balance of the contract uh, if it decides that the employee is not going to continue working until the end of it. So what, what the, these employers did, uh, they didn't do that. The only exception, by the way, to this is if the contract explicitly says that if the employer wants to end the contract early, it can do that by only paying one week's pay or something like that. So in each of these cases, these individuals were owed a few months' pay, even though they only worked for, for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. So this is extremely important to remember. Many people are employed under fixed-term contracts, maybe a couple of months, maybe a couple of years. And if they are let go before the contract ends, they have to get paid till the end of the contract. There's very few exceptions to this. And people may think, well, I only worked for a month, so uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm, I'm just going to forego the, the next 11 months on my contract. But can you imagine, John, you work for a month, you probably are entitled to, for another 11 months con- uh, payment exactly. if you were on a 12-month contract. Take it. So very, very, very important. Uh, and, and people need to understand that. And it happens quite often. Now... The second matter I'm going to talk to you about, it shows why it's very important to get uh, legal advice. I spoke with a lady last week that was let go after about 25 years. Uh, now, she was 58 years old, and that employer had offered her about 24 months of severance. Okay. So really can't argue with the number of months. Uh, it was perfectly appropriate. But what that employer did not do is it did not continue her participation in the pension plan for the 24 months. Now, why was this a big deal? It was a big deal because once she turned 60, she would be entitled to her full unreduced pension. Now, so if the, uh, if the employer continued her participation in the plan until she turned 60, she would be entitled to that full unreduced amount and, and would be able to take that for the rest of her life. On the other hand, if her pension was cut off before the age of 60, she would be entitled to a reduced portion of the total amount. Now, depending on how long she lives and depending on uh, uh, the, the, the pension plan, this could actually be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. If she's going to draw on a pension for another 30 years after that, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that she can get her full pension instead of a part of her pension is a huge amount. So for, for her, the fact that she was given 24 months pay, it was fine, but the employer had to continue her pension for 24 months, which would have taken her past the age of 60 in this case. So uh, this was something that th- that little modification was worth a lot of money for her. So 
but the bottom line is we always talk about the number of months that an employee is entitled to get, and that's very important. But equally important is what's included in that. Remember, the employee has to receive everything they would have all received, components. all components, had they continued working. And in this case, the pension was worth a lot. I have a feeling the employer knew that little nugget, and uh, that's why the pension was probably discontinued Potentially, early. yeah, <laughs> right? potentially. But, wow, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're 30 years old, it may not be as big a deal. It, it won't be a big a deal. But if you're close to that retirement age, uh, it could be massive. I mean, depending on how long you live, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars difference. Is there any time in that contract, you mentioned the contract ending early, is there any time they put a contract clause in the contract that says if we end this contract early, we don't have to pay the other 11 months? Does that ever happen or no? Yes, it, oh, it does okay. happen. And, and, and it's some employers, if they know what they're doing and if they have uh, good legal advice uh, or someone that knows draft the contract, may say that. If we let you go early, we don't have to give you 11 months. Maybe we're only going to give you one week. So, But that's the only exception. It's only if the contract says that, that the employee doesn't get the balance of the contract. Lay your questions on is severance, everything under that umbrella of employment law. And uh, Lior at employmenthour.com is his number, or 416-216-5900. Lots more to go right here on Talk Radio. AM640. Now, we've had uh, Savant Merkin here a couple times talking about uh, insurance and injury uh, Injury facts and, and questions and uh, stuff to deal with that topic. So uh, tell me, uh, you know, get down to brass tacks. Why right. have you decided to do this show? Okay, well, then uh, the, uh, the reason why we decided to actually go ahead with it is because every week I get tons and tons of questions from people who call me, um, you know, having been referred to me from other lawyers mm-hmm. or having um, read an article that was actually published on the Financial Post last year called Every Excuse in the Book When Insurance Companies Don't Pay Up. Gary Marr wrote that article. And uh, he had interviewed me, and, you know, it's funny. It was published April of last year, and I still get calls almost on a weekly basis from people who've read it uh, who say, you know what, we don't know what to do. Insurance companies denying the claim. And we're not just talking about disability insurance like we've talked about in the last few shows. We're talking about any kind of insurance, travel insurance, uh, home insurance. You know, you had a fire. You have fire content damage. Absolutely. Floods, all that kind of stuff. And people don't know what to do. Uh, and it's unfair. They pay premiums religiously. They do everything the insurance company asks of them. And when they're in need, when they're in a situation where they need the help that they've paid for, it's not like they're asking it for free. They've paid for it. <laughs> right. right? And, and a lot of times they pay a lot of money for it. Uh, we're not talking about, you know, chump change. Uh, they, they feel like they're being interrogated. They're feeling like they're being uh, looked down upon and made feel like uh, they're at fault for asking for this help. And so the point is of the show is to educate people, to answer questions. Uh, and, and, you know, the reality is that a lot of people end up um, not doing anything, just giving up on their claims. Uh, and you're going to have a lot of listeners out there who uh, have sought legal advice and have lawyers working on their files. But for whatever reason, they want either a second opinion mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, they want to get more information because whatever information they received just doesn't either make sense to them or it's just taking too long to resolve the claim. So that's the purpose of the show, to just give people a way to, to understand what their rights are. Well, it's going to be interesting because I know, you know, almost two years ago when Lior and I started this, it was like, man, the, the amount of eye-opening that's been done right. uh, just with employment law, stuff that people had no idea what was under that umbrella. And I think this is going to be pretty much the same thing because people are in the dark. And I think you mentioned this last week. A lot of the time, you know, people, I guess the insurance company, uh, the adjusters are very good at this. They, they deal with the people who have been paying these premiums and they're so friendly and nice and they, they think you're your pals. But you should be looking at it a different way, right? And that's the way you you, you don't look through those rose-colored glasses with no. these companies, right? No, and we talked about you know we talked about this before. I used to work for insurance companies, right? And I'll tell I'll tell you this: insurance companies, uh, what's their goal at the end of the day? Everyone knows this. Their goal is to make, make money, money, to make a profit. I'm not faulting them for that. What I'm saying is that 
uh, in many instances, what they're doing is simply unfair. Now, again, keep in mind, you know, if you're looking at the other side, there are a lot of people who are trying to scam the insurance companies. Oh, we all know sure. this. For right. Sure. So the point is, what happens when you're caught in the middle? What happens when you have a legitimate claim, mm-hmm. the claim is dragging on? You know, I mean, I had a guy call me a couple of weeks ago uh, who, who was in an accident and, you know, wanted to know what to do because the insurance company is not paying for, for his car that was written off. Now, here's the problem. The, the accident happened a year and a half ago. And what he didn't know, and the insurance adjuster failed to tell him, is that he has one year to make that claim. Oh boy. And no, you know, most people will not know that. So you're thinking you're negotiating with the insurance company. You're thinking that uh, you know, they're being friendly to you. They're just asking for more information, blah, blah, blah. Biding their time. Right, right. The year passes, nice. and that's it. Your legal options are foreclosed. So now this car that you were entitled to, uh, to, to get compensation for, suddenly you're not entitled to it because you didn't know that you only had one year to make a claim. And that's going to be the purpose of this show, to make sure that people understand uh, in a variety of different insurance situations, contexts, what exactly their rights are and where to turn to if they need help. I know you get a lot of questions of, uh, you know, especially long-term disability. Let me get down to a little bit of that as we, uh, we go on here. What makes someone eligible to receive LTD? Well, there, there are a few factors. Uh, number one, obviously you must have been working at the time yeah. that, uh, you know, you, you, at, at, at the period of time just before the disability. Uh, number two, you have to have had long-term disability coverage, whether that's through your employer or through a private plan. You have to have that, otherwise okay. you can't make that claim. Number, number three, you have to have suffered either an injury, an illness, or some kind of a disease that disables you from work. Okay, so those are the factors, and it makes, it makes sense, right? Except that sometimes people who come to me don't necessarily have one of those. You know, they want to claim for a certain benefit, but they don't have coverage for that. The reality is this. If you suffered some kind of an injury, if you have an illness, a disability, something that prevents you from, work, from working, your family doctor or your specialist um, uh, is supporting you in that, first thing that you do is you go to your employer or to HR, you ask them about disability coverage. Most of these employers will have either shortened disability uh, followed by long-term disability. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the factors. That's, you need to have a policy, you need to be disabled, and you need to have worked before claiming for that disability. What if I've uh, applied for it, and I'm sure you've seen this before, I get denied? Right, uh, which happens quite often. Okay. And again, it's what we've discussed before. Why, you know, the question is, why are you denied? And maybe the denial is legitimate. Maybe there is a reason. Maybe you're not disabled. Maybe you don't qualify. But more often than not, when people come to me, it's because really there is a reason why uh, they're seeking that compensation. I mean, what is disability? What is long-term disability? Mm. Long-term disability is uh, compensation instead of the money you were earning. It's, it's to cover you, it's to give you that income or a portion of that income right. while you are disabled. And when do you make that application for disability? When your doctor supports it, right? You're going to have medical documents. So some of the reasons why insurance companies will deny your claim, they're going to say there is insufficient medical documentation. Maybe there is. Oftentimes, there is just sufficient medical documentation. They have everything they need to make that decision. It's just that they figure that maybe you'll give up. Maybe you'll Come go away. On. I'm telling you. Yeah, a lot of times. Again, keep in mind, I'm not saying this in every case. For okay, sure. To be fair to insurers, because I've been on the other side. And sometimes, really, the person is not eligible. But most of the time, when the doctor says, you are eligible for this, and the insurance company says, uh, we don't think so, why are they saying that? Well, why are they saying I mean, why? If, if the doctor supports it, well, a lot of times, it's because they figure that people will either just give up or, or in fairness to the insurance companies, the information that was given from the doctor is not sufficient. It's not mm-hmm. framed correctly. And again, that's where we help. That's where we come in. We frame the question in the right way to the doctors. You give that to the insurance companies. They have no choice but to pay the claim. 
We'll take a short break to, uh, to get in touch uh, with Savannah in the next hour or so. And, of course, Lior's here as well in the employment hour. And uh, we'll take a short break uh, right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. We'll go back to Lior here in, uh, in a few minutes. Got uh, Savannah in the show again starting next week at 12 o'clock. It will be the insurance and injury show followed by the employment hour. So uh, two hours with you guys here. And uh, giving out valuable information and stuff that people are going to want to know for sure, whether it uh, has to do with long-term disability or unemployment, we've got it covered. This could be the most important two hours of radio ever, ever, guys. I want to get back to this, uh, Savannah. We were talking just before we left about long-term disability. Uh, what should someone do if they've been receiving long-term benefits and the insurance company now says they don't qualify anymore? Sorry. Right, and that happens quite a lot. So the first thing they have to do is they have to consult with someone who knows uh, insurance law. That's absolutely critical. We're not talking about a real estate lawyer, a criminal lawyer. We're talking about an insurance lawyer because you're dealing with an insurance question. And as soon as they talk to somebody who deals with insurance disputes, Mm -hmm. uh, they will get the right information. They'll get their options. And their options are really going to be twofold. Either they're going to be to engage the insurance company to try and get that compensation uh, or it's going to be to give up. And I never advise anyone to give up. No. Never. You never do that, especially when you've paid into the insurance policy. Or your employer has paid for you. I mean, it's a benefit you're entitled to. Yeah. A couple of recent cases I want to run these by that uh, you sent me earlier this week. Uh, take Joanne, for instance, long-term disability insurer, sent her to their doctor who said she can return to work for some form of employment. Now, as a result, the insurer says that they will cut off her benefits as of November 1st, 2014. Obviously, she's panicking. What can she do? Right. So this is an ongoing case. So I obviously changed the name of the individual. But this is a classic case for what I see. So you're dealing here in a situation where... The insurance company has been paying some long-term disability uh, for, for some time to, to Joanne. And, uh, and then she gets a letter in the mail. And the letter says, we've scheduled uh, an appointment for you with an orthopedic surgeon with one of our, do- with one of our doctors. Mm-hmm. And, and th- th- they, they named that assessment an IME. What's an IME? It's an independent medical examination. Now, here's the irony independent. It's supposed to be independent, but who's paying this doctor? The insurance company is paying this doctor. Absolutely. And who's getting the report? Insurance company. Right. And uh, <laughs> what do you think that report's going to say from the doctor that the insurance company is paying to give this opinion? Probably be favorable for them. Right. And so <laughs> the result, obviously, is that uh, once they have that opinion that says, no, this person is not really that disabled. This person can actually go back to work to do something. What's the insurance going to say? I mean, the adjuster is going to just wash your hands and say, what can I do? I just received this medical report from this doctor that Says has this okay. amazing... Right. Uh, it, not even okay, but okay enough, enough to go back right. to work. Okay. So, of course, the person... First of all, what I find is that most people, when they get into that situation, they question themselves. They're saying, well, if this guy with all this education, this doctor, the specialist says I can go back to work... Maybe I should. Maybe right? I should, exactly. Yeah. And then they talk to their spouse or they talk to their family members and, you know, they're saying, are you out of your mind? I mean, you can't. And so they go to their own doctor, and their own doctor says, no, I disagree with what this insurance doctor says. Okay. And so this is what happened here. So Joanne came to me, and uh, you know, I looked at the report, very standard report. And the funny thing about that report is that, and I've seen these reports from this particular doctor before, they're very, very similar. They change the name, they change a few things in the report, but the reports are templates. Oh, yeah, just okay? about I'm not saying every doctor, doctor operates that way. I'm not no. saying that this is, uh, it happens all the time. But in this particular instance, that's what I saw. Okay. So very simple solution. We right. filed a claim. I've already been contacted by the insurance lawyer, so no longer the adjuster. We've had uh, some discussions on the phone, and I can tell you that even though the insurance company said that, our, that Joanne was going to get cut off, from disability, November 1st, that will not happen. 
It will not happen. I can tell you it's not in writing at this point, but I can tell you it's not going to happen. That phone call is so key. Again, it all goes 100%. back to making the contact, right? right. We'll take uh, Brian, long-term disability insurer, says that there was inf- uh, insufficient medical documentation to substantiate his disability. And therefore, he can work. Now, uh, they will not pay him. What can he do? Right. Okay. So, again, very classic position. And we talked mm-hmm. about that before. Insufficient medical documentation. What does that mean? And again, I see people coming to me and saying, what do they want from me? I've given them everything. I've already, my doctor has communicated the position, uh, the, the, position the, the diagnosis, the prognosis, everything. What do they want? Well, I'll tell you this. Most times when you think that the insurance adjuster has all of the uh, information that they need to make a decision, they oftentimes do. And the reason they take the position they do is, as we've discussed, maybe you'll go away. Maybe that's the hope. Maybe you'll go away. It's a stalling tactic? It's a stalling tactic. And again, not across the board, but I see it quite often. Now, sometimes, sometimes, and it's legitimate, uh, the insurance company, the adjuster may have a concern that the, the question that the insurance company is asking the doctor has not been answered properly. A lay person may not necessarily know. You know, Brian, in this case, thought that his doctor... Um, gave the information that the insurance adjuster was asking for. But the reality is that uh, the doctor said something, I'm not going to say exactly what because it's an ongoing case, but said something that really didn't answer the insurance company or or at least uh, gave the insurance company uh, some doubt as to the actual disability. Uh, And all all we had to do is just reframe the question. Actually, we posed a series of questions to Brian's doctor. We actually had another specialist get involved. And, uh, you know, it's on its way to resolution. Cool. It's, these are not difficult cases to resolve. They're not. A lot of times it's just miscommunication and with the insurance company. that's what people company. should know, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We've got Ed in Hamilton. Hi, Ed. you got a uh, question for Savannah. Go ahead. Uh, yes, uh, good day. Uh, I went on long-term disability in 2009, and before I left I had four weeks' holidays, and I only worked nine months of that year. Am I uh, entitled to vacation pay? Uh, hi, Ed. Uh, Lior here. So what you're saying is that when you left in 2009, you had some accrued vacation pay that wasn't paid to you. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So the answer is yes, you are uh, in- entitled to that. And uh, have you received any notice of termination from the company? Have, have they changed your status since 2009? No, I still get my uh, drug benefits and, and such, eh? Good. Okay, that's good. So in light of that, you can still make the demand for the uh, accrued and outstanding vacation pay. If your employment had been terminated, you, I, I would say you'd be out of time because it was due back in 2009. But because it hasn't been terminated, yes, you are owed the accrued vacation pay that you had as of 2009 that you didn't take. You can ask them for it. If they won't give it to you, call me. I can help you with that as well. Is there a time limit on that or no? Because it's well, 2009. That's... Because he's still employed there, then he's right. still entitled. It's an ongoing entitlement. So gotcha. the, 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 the clock hasn't started ticking yet. Good stuff. Stick around. Give us a call if you have more questions. Employment Hour right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. You can also email Lior at employmenthour.com and his personal number, 416-216-5900. It was good to have uh, your partner, Savannah, here. If you uh, didn't get a hold of Savannah's number while he was just on the air here, uh, 416-216-5910 is his uh, number to get hold. Very similar to yours. So That's right. Uh, I want to talk about uh, today, at least uh, up until 1. We'll see how it goes for the uh, the, rest, uh, the rest of the show. 
uh, what to do if your employment is about to be terminated. That's right. right? And then, you know, you're, you're at work, you're worried... My employer wants to terminate my employment. I think it's going to come down. What should I do? Do I just sit there? Do I wait for it? Is there something I could do to be proactive? Can I prevent it from happening? So that's what I want to talk about right now. Okay, so um, how about this? There there are signs you're about to be let go, like you said. Yeah, and and there there are signs, and they're the same signs uh, usually. So a few of them may be a situation where... And no one's talking to you about longer term. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. no one's talking yeah, about yeah. longer term plans. Okay. So no one's going to talk about what's going to happen in two weeks or a month or next year. Long range plans. Uh, you know, uh, any discussions about is about what you're doing right now. Maybe there's an unusual interest in what you're actually doing right now because if the employer's going to let you go, they're going to want to know what you have on your plate right now. So they're going to be very interested. Tell me what projects, John, you're working on right now. Uh, t- tell me about what you uh, what you're doing right now. Obviously, if you see that, that your bosses are not talking to you in the same way, they're, they're, they're being more distant, that's always a sign. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the, the, the most uh, ta- telltale sign is the fact that you've been called into an unexpected meeting on a Monday or a Friday, either first thing in the morning or last thing in the afternoon. Uh, that, those are usually the, the most, uh, that's usually the most common sign that uh, today's the day or that's going to be the day where your employment is being terminated. Now, what documents should, uh, should someone have available if they feel they're, uh, you know, it's coming around the corner? Well, obviously, first of all, you know, if someone's employment is going to be terminated, for the most part, they can't do much to avoid it. They cannot do much to, uh, to prevent that from happening. What I tell people, though, is uh, while you're still working there, huh, be- between now and when the employment is being terminated, you're still an employee. You still have the same obligations that you would anyway. So you don't want to do something that's going to give your employer reason to have cause to terminate you. If the employer was going to let you go for restructuring, pay you severance, but because during this time you figured, well, they're not going to, they're letting me go anyway. I may as well slack off, come in late, leave early. Uh, that may give the employer reason to let you go for a cause. So bad, di- bad idea. So I always tell employees, uh, business as usual. Status quo. Status right? quo. You do your job the best way possible until someone tells you otherwise. Now, in terms of documents, you want to have, first of all, obviously a, a copy of your original job offer letter, a contract of employment, employment agreement. If you don't have a copy, now's the time to go speak with the HR person and say, listen, I need a copy from my records. Perfectly fine. No issue. You want to have a copy of that. Okay, keep that there. If you think the employer is going to allege cause, if the employer is going to say, I'm letting you go because of all these bad things that you've done and not have to pay you severance, well, you want to have whatever documents are available to you to be able to respond to that. So if the employer says, you screwed up on the Johnson file, so that's why I'm letting you go, mm-hmm. well, you want to have all the documents pertaining to the Johnson file so that you can respond to that and show that really what happened wasn't your fault or whatever the employer says happened did not really happen. So you want to have that available to you. And the time to get that information, to make it accessible, is now. Because once you're let go, you're going to be cut off. You're not going to have access to anything. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. What uh, should someone not do? Yeah, well, More importantly, when they're about to you know, go. here's one of the things that people do all the time or want to do all the time, and I think it's a bad idea. You know what people do, John? If they think their employment is going to be terminated, they call their doctor and they say, uh, to have the doctor write a doctor's note, say, I'm, I'm not able to work. And they think that if they go off on a medical leave of absence, that's going to change things. Well, the reason why that's not a good idea, there's several reasons for that. Number one, if the employer is going to terminate you anyway, they're going to do it uh, anyway, even if you're on a medical leave of absence, because they're going to have internal documents to show that the reason had nothing to do with with the the absence. They were talking about it even before with the HR person, et cetera. 
The other thing it may do is if, if it turns out that the, the medical leave is, is, uh, is not legitimate, it may actually give the employer cause to terminate your employment. Oh, wow. So someone was going to let you go for restructuring, pay you severance. By virtue of you going on a medical leave, now they may have cause to let you go. So it's not a good idea. It's not going to change anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, there's really no way to prevent the employer for, for letting someone go. It's unfortunate, but that's the case. The only thing you have to make sure is you have your documents and that if and when you're let go, you get your proper severance. We've got Jimmy in Thornhill. Hi, Jimmy. How are you? Hi. What's up, Jimmy? Well, I suffered a, uh, a fall at my work back in May of 2013. Um, I ended up, I was in four different hospitals in the first month. I suffered a um, grand mal seizure, a brain hemorrhage. Then I had a blood clot on the right side of the frontal lobe. The doctor went in, uh, the surgeon went in, um, pulled my scalp forward, cut my scalp across my head, pulled it forward, went in the front portion, cut a four-inch square and hinged it, cleared the blood clot, told my son, go home right now. Mm-hmm. Every member of your family, I do not expect this man to survive the week. Ha ha, I did. Now, I, this, this man's a very, very good surgeon, and I applaud him for saving my life. Okay. So what, what is your question, What's Jimmy? What's your question, Jimmy? I'm being taken care of by WSIB. However, I would like to collect some damages from my employer for, for the accident. Okay. So, Jimmy, let me tell you, uh, let, let me answer that. I understand exactly what you're asking. Unfortunately, our, our, uh, or fortunately, depending on your perspective, our WSIB system is such that you are not able to pursue um, your employer. That's why WSIB is there. If you suffer a workplace injury or accident, even if it's completely the employer's fault, they did everything wrong, they caused this. You're still not able to go after them. Effectively, they pay for this insurance, the WSIB insurance, to know that if something happens in the workplace, they don't have to deal with it. WSIB deals with it. Therefore, Jimmy, unfortunately, you cannot go after the employer. You have to get your compensation from WSIB, and there's really no other option in this case. Talking about, say, your employment when it's about to be terminated. So, uh, you know, you, you think you were going to get terminated, and uh, you were right. You want to? Uh, we'll take a break. You know what? I'll hang on to this one. We'll take a break. We'll take a, we've got so much to talk about. We'll take a short break. And more of the Employment Hour coming up right till 2 on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. We are answering all your questions and dealing out uh, valuable information. Lior at employmenthour.com is also an email you want to have, and his number is 416-216-5900. Going to get to uh, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Okay, you got a question? Go um, ahead. Yeah, it's sort of on topic. It's sort of not, but I believe he can answer it for me. Um, I've applied for the disability uh, tax credit from the government, and they've turned me down, though they have all the information that they require for me to qualify. And they're turning me down. I was just wondering what your thought would be in regards to, are they just stalling me, wanting mm-hmm. where I should go next? Or they just want me to go away? Uh, hi, Lisa. Thank you. And, and certainly, let me, I'll give you a couple of thoughts, but by no means am I an expert on, on the taxation issues. But, you know, generally to qualify for the disability tax credit, you have to show a severe and prolonged impairment. Yeah. Which, uh, which I do, which I've had them write. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. I yeah. just don't want to take all your time. No problem. Which... Um, both my doctor has written back and forth, and my doctor has also advised me that 95% of the patients, if they persist and they go forward with keep writing to the government, 
they get approved under the same conditions and the same medical conditions. Right, and, and, and that certainly has been my experience as well in these cases, and many times when someone gets uh, denied uh, through persistence and, and, and through working with uh, an accountant, potentially a tax lawyer, you can get that. Now, without seeing your medical documents, I, it's hard for me to, to give you an opinion. All I can tell you is by, by no means should you let this go. Okay. Uh, you should speak with an accountant, even a tax lawyer. I can give you the information if you want to call me off air for a very good tax lawyer that I work with closely. Uh, and, and they can help you with that. And I've known many, many people over the years that, that, that have been uh, denied that tax credit and still were able to qualify eventually. Well, we'll get back into uh, employment about to be terminated, what you're going to think about that. Jason first in Toronto. Hi, Jason. Got a question? Good morning, guys. I have hey, a, a unique question, actually, more about the commencement of employment as opposed to the end of it. Um, I have a friend of mine who is a registered nurse, and a couple of months ago, uh, the city of Toronto sent her a, uh, an offer of employment letter, which she accepted. Uh, she went through the various steps necessary to uh, uh, gain employment, you know, such as the uh, police check, reference checks, and all the rest of it. Anyway, um, so she had a start date, um, but uh, the, the, the time came and went. Um, nobody called her. She emailed. She's emailed probably eight to ten times uh, the various HR people, uh, and nobody has gotten back to her. She hasn't got a clue in terms of what standing she's in as far as whether or not she's got the job. She signed the employment letter, uh, and the HR people seem to be simply ignoring her emails. What kind of advice would you give her? Uh, A good question, Jason, and and believe it or not, I've I've dealt with a few of these situations in the past when there's a job offer letter, there's an agreement, start date, and then the employer changes its mind and, and the job never materializes. Now, at law, once she's agreed on a, on a job, she is actually an employee of that company. That said, uh, so, so the bottom line is if she's not, if the, the job never actually starts, the employer changes their mind, she actually may be owed compensation. Now, how much compensation or whether she gets compensation depends on the agreement she actually signed. For example, if the agreement says your first three months are probationary and we can let you go during that time without paying you anything, well, the reality is if they can let her go after three months without paying her anything, they can let her go at day one or day zero without paying her anything. So then maybe she's not owed anything. Now, if the agreement does not say that, she actually may be owed compensation if it would ultimately be a termination because there's an agreement in place and you can't violate that agreement. You can't breach the agreement without there being financial consequences. So in the short term, I say continue to follow up. Uh, with the HR uh, for, for the city. If there's still no answer, if there's still no information, have her give me a call. Let me see whatever the agreement was that she signed so I can tell her if she, in fact, would be owed compensation. Jason, that number, 416-216-5900, that is Lior's number. So even though you never step foot in the place, you might still be owed... Absolutely. And I wow. myself settled about three of those cases in the last 12 months. We'll get to uh, one more call before we take a break here. got Rick in Aurelia. Hi, Rick. What is your question? Hi. Um, I just wondering. Uh, I've got. I had an insurance claim going uh, first of this year, and it went through to the end of February. And the insurance company then chopped me off, saying that I was okay now. I was. I was cured. Uh, what I done was I, I tore some ligaments and muscles in my left shoulder. Um, my surgeon, the specialist in Aurelia, told me I would likely be disabled partially for the rest of my life um, because these things do not repair themselves. Um, he said that you have to stitch ligaments back together again. But irregardless, they chop me off. And I would like to know, is there an alternative? Like, can I 
can they be forced to do anything else? Like, I'm back to work, yes, but I'm I'm doing modified stuff. Savannah, I'll throw this one over to you, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Hi, Rick. Uh, unfortunately, your situation is extremely common, and it's exactly what we were discussing before, which is when the insurance company ends up at some point through your disability time that you're off uh, recuperating, uh, cutting you off, saying that you're okay. And what I find is a lot of people in your position end up going back to work, not because they can. Uh, in fact, they go back to work and their condition becomes worse and worse. And in fact, many of them end up going against medical advice because they have to earn money. Mm-hmm. So here's where I'll tell you exactly what you should do. You should give me a call. I need to get some more information. Uh, I need to get information about exactly how the injury occurred, the severity of the injury. I'd like to see the report from your specialist. I'd like to understand more about what's going on at work, and I can tell you this is not going to be a difficult claim to resolve. And and I'll tell you more than this, Uh, and this is for anyone who is in Rick's situation as well. If the insurance company cuts you off, don't back down, okay? They're not cutting you off because they have a legitimate reason. That's, That's... what I find most times is when some when the insurance company cuts people off uh, uh, in the middle of the disability, in the middle of the rec- the, the recuperating process, mm-hmm. they're actually causing the individual more damage. Okay, usually if someone knows that they're ready to go back to work, they'll take the initiative themselves. They're not going to wait for the insurance company to cut them off. So yeah. just like in your situation, Rick, you were forced to go back to work. You may have a family, you may have kids. I don't know what your situation is, which is why I want to talk to you. Just give me a call, 416-216-5910. Let me take a look at it, and I'll tell you exactly what you can do. Could be a very important call, Rick. Make sure you make it. We'll take a short break. Lots more coming up here in the Employment Hour. Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Leorenemploymenthour.com. We still have Savannah here. So the, the, the phone calls really are still coming in for you, uh, Savannah, looks right. like. So we'll get to uh, Lewis here in Aurelia. Hi, Lewis. How are you? Hi there. I'm just curious as to what defines a uh, disability. Would that be uh, in the context of mental disability, depression, uh, substance abuse, or some sort of family uh, challenges? Uh, if one was looking to take some, term, some type of short-term or long-term disability, because it's affecting his or her, uh, his or her ability to perform. Uh, how does mental or depression, those sorts of things, factor? Good question. Thank yeah. You. Yeah, Lewis, so this is a very common question, especially from people who are experiencing um, uh, psychological issues uh, or, or a mixed physical or uh, psychological uh, and psychological. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the answer is uh, to, to your question, does uh, psychological or mental disability uh, qualify? Uh, the answer is yes, it does. It comes down to what your doctor says, what your doctor is willing to put down on paper. Is the particular condition that you've been diagnosed with, and keep in mind, you have to have some kind of a diagnosis, okay? We're not talking about simple anxiety that, you know, you're just not comfortable stepping into the office. There has to be some kind of a diagnosed condition, whether it's, it's some kind of a, a physical condition, a psychological, or a mix, like a, a chronic pain type of a situation, a fibromyalgia, or anything else. If you have, if you've been diagnosed with with depression uh, as an actual diagnosis, maybe you've been referred to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. and that condition is disabling you from working, you would qualify, and so you would have to go. Uh, if it's a private plan, um, contacting contact the insurance company. If it's through your work, if they're the ones offering you this coverage uh, through their own uh, uh, insurer, or sometimes if it's term disability, the the employer are the ones that are actually paying for that. Uh, then simply go make the application 
Again, you'll simply be asked to provide supporting medical documentation. Is it sometimes tougher to prove, though? I mean, you know, you're missing a kneecap. You're missing a kneecap. I mean, this is this is stuff you can't <laughs> physically see, right? I mean, but this is where you would come in. Yeah, yeah absolutely. In fact, one of one of the reasons why insurance companies often deny claims is because we say, they say we can't see it. Right. Well, okay. How many people out there have back pain or headaches? Can you see that on an X-ray, exactly. on an MRI? Now, what happens if that condition is so significant? It's so it's ongoing. It's so severe that it disables you from working. And the insurance company says, oh, well, you can't prove it. Oh, come on, give me a break, okay? Who out there hasn't had at some point in their life some kind of a pain that you wouldn't be able to see on an X-ray or an MRI? Does that mean you don't have it? It's nonsense. But the insurance company has another tool in their arsenal saying, you know, there's nothing objective proving it. Uh, And again, not across the board with insurers. I don't want to paint them with a brush of them being the, you know, evil uh, uh, corporate uh, structure that it is. It's not, okay? It's just that uh, a lot of times, in fairness to them, people are making claims that they should not be making, Mm -hmm. okay, because they are trying to scam the system. But the majority of people that I see, I'd say about probably over 90% have legitimate claims, and those claims are supported by their doctors. That's the key. Your family doctor most times has known you for many, many years. And, and is willing to support you. So there's no reason why the insurance company doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't um, honor the claim. We've got Joel in Etobicoke. Hi, Joel. How are you? Hi, guys. Good afternoon. Firstly, Leo, thank you so much for the service that you give to everyone. It's a great show. Thank you. Um, I was um, a top 1% salesperson for North America. I was hired away to another sales company in the beginning of March. Um, as you know, the harder you work, the more you make in commission. Sure. Um, so in order to generate new business, I researched and generated new leads, all from my own house on my own personal computer after hours. So I would spend two to three hours a night and weekends finding new uh, leads to sell to. That's at least 2,000. Um, the leads were then put into the customer relation management um, program by the director of sales. And then I was let go at the end of July. It was two weeks severance. My question is, um, you know, I had no chance to convert my leads into a value for commission, and now they're sitting on all of my work generating income. I know in the States there's a a law against something called conversion, which is the act of taking something that doesn't belong to you Hmm. uh, to sell or make money. Um, it's against the Trade Secrets Act, which is a criminal offense. Do I have any recourse against this company? Okay, so uh, let's... Put the conversion issue aside for a sec. I'll come back to it. In terms of uh, work, how long did you work with the previous company, the one you were recruited from? Uh, just over a year. Okay. And how old are you approximately, Joel? I'm going to be 40 next month. Okay. So let, let's talk in terms of the two weeks that you've received. Unless you signed an enforceable agreement when you started with this company back in March that limits the amount of severance you're entitled uh, to, then right now, right off the bat, you'd probably be looking at three to four months of compensation that you'd be owed instead of the two weeks that you've received. So, so that's issue number one. So I would want to uh, obviously see uh, the employment agreement to the extent that you signed one and see what it says. So th- that's issue number one. Uh, in terms of conversion, uh, as you've said, in this case, that would not apply simply because you, you are expected as an employee to do what you need to do to advance the employer's uh, business. Uh, so even though you were doing it on your time, you went above and beyond what the strict requirements of the job uh, were, uh, you, you still are doing that for the benefit of your employer. This is not a situation where you you were doing something unrelated to work and now they're taking advantage of that to your detriment. So unfortunately, I don't think you could do much but about the fact that they uh, potentially are going to reap rewards uh, based on your work, but you may be owed compensation. And that compensation, let's say that it's three or four months pay. If in those three to four months 
they generate uh, income from those leads that you yes. created, yes. then you're going to be entitled to be compensated because it's still within the appropriate the severance period. So it's very important that we talk, uh, Joel, and, and for me to understand more and, and see your contract of employment. So give me a call and let's talk about that off air. Joel, that number, 416-216-5900. That's what I was wondering, if that if it yields any fruit from those yeah, leads, right? in that period of time. So if wow. it yields fruit in a year and a half, no. But if it's yeah. over the, the severance period, let's say four months, then absolutely. And remember, Joel was only given two weeks' pay. We'll take a short break. So employment Hour continues right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Always ready for your questions on this show. Severance, employment questions, terminations, we, uh, we cover it all here. And uh, just before the, uh, the news break, we were talking about uh, things to do and things you should know if your employment is about to be terminated or you think, uh, you think it's going to happen. Well, how about the person that, that was right? They were let go. So what does he have to do right afterwards? So you've been, you've been worried about being let go. You've been uh, stressed out, contemplating what's going to happen. And unfortunately, it turns out you were right. Uh, you, you got the, the call, we need you at a meeting uh, first thing Monday morning, and you show up at the meeting, and uh, the HR person is sitting there, it's always the kiss of death, uh, and you, you, you're being let go. So the first thing you need to understand is that once you're at that meeting, the decision has been made. So you're not going to be able to get anyone to change their mind. You're not going to be able to get anyone to, to think uh, that, that maybe the decision was wrong. So, so that, that's futile. A lot of people start arguing and, and trying to say, well, that wasn't my fault. That's not right. Uh, th- there's really too no late point. That, right? it, it is too late for that. Yeah. You, your, your job at that meeting, at that termination meeting, is to listen. Okay, You want to understand why the employer is saying they're letting you go. Are they saying it's performance related? Are they saying you did something else wrong? Maybe it's just a restructuring. Maybe it's a cost-cutting issue. Sometimes the employer may not say anything at all. Uh, and that's very important to know. Did I'm going to ask you, did the employer say why they're letting you go? And if they didn't, they, they gave no reason, that's something I need to know as well. So you listen to that. The employer may take you then through the, uh, the severance letter, the termination letter, and, and, and go over it with you. Again, just listen. Uh, if you, you don't understand something, ask questions, but really just listen to what the employer has to say. Then you're going to take your termination letter and you're going to leave. And, and really, that's all you're going to do in the workplace. There's no point arguing. There's no point uh, taking one last shot at anyone. It's not going to help anything. And once uh, you're smiling, John, something tells me you may have done that in the past. <laughs> no, no, I'm just no. picturing somebody doing that. Yeah. Oh, and before I leave. <laughs> yeah, I would have peace of my mind. <laughs> So, right. so, so once you do that, then you have your, your termination letter. And, and by the way, John, as you know, we've talked about this before, that that termination letter is going to have a deadline on it, mm-hmm. right, by which you have to accept this uh, severance letter. Don't worry about that deadline. I've told you that before. Give me a call. That's when you give me a call. That's when we sit down and, and, and we talk together in person or on the phone, and I can assess what you're entitled to, and I can assess re- whether what you've been offered is proper. If it is proper, in most cases, that's going to be the end of the analysis. You can go ahead and accept and move on to the, to the next position. Uh, if it's not going to be acceptable, if it's not appropriate, then I can help you improve it, which, as I've said a hundred times, in most cases is a very, very straightforward process. You mentioned that uh, they might not say anything as to why you're let go. Is that, is that common? And if it is, why would they do that? Usually an employer would not because they really don't want to give the employee something to, to argue with. And in fact, when I advise employers and they ask me, should I explain why? I say, really, there's right. no point, especially if it's a termination without cause. So let's say we, we let the employee go because we didn't think that the employee was doing a good job, okay. but we're saying it's a without cause termination. It doesn't rise to the level of cause. 
How is it going to help by saying, well, we let you go because we weren't happy with your performance? All that's going to do is it's going to make the employee feel bad. It's going to make them more likely to want to argue. And there's really no point because at the end of the day, we can let someone go. The employer can let someone go without cause for any reason. So it is quite common for the employer not to say anything, and that's fine. In most cases, if the employer is terminating for cause, the employer is going to outline why and explain why. And they probably actually have the legal obligation to do that. But again, that's going to be the exception rather than the rule. So if it's without cause, the first question out of the employee's mouth is going to be, why am I being let go? But they had no intention of telling them. What do they say? Well, and most employers are going to simply say, we decided to let you go uh, for our own own reasons. Uh, Or or they're going to say, well, there's not much more I can tell you. Now, what I'm going to say for for employers, uh, you know, some employers in the past have been penalized by by our courts by treating the employee harshly during the termination, not treating them with respect, uh, treating them in a demeaning way, in an embarrassing way. There's no point in that. That's actually now illegal to do. So remember, uh, employers, these employees obviously are going to be in a very difficult situation, very vulnerable. So you don't want to make the, uh, a bad situation even worse. Don't march them in front of their coworkers uh, when you walk them out with the, with the big box that you packed in their absence. That's embarrassing. That, that's something that could be traumatic. Uh, pick a time to do a meeting when maybe there's not many people around so that it's not going to be causing a spectacle when this Mm -hmm. employee is going. Uh, Again, don't uh, make accusations against uh, a person uh, unless really you're letting him go for cause. Treat them with respect. And and it's not because of its it's human decency to do that, that, even though that's important. It's because the law requires you to do that. You can, in fact, get penalized. You can have to pay more to an employee to to punish you for bad treatment if, in fact, you you treat them in an uh, uh, irresponsible or an unusually harsh manner. We'll take a quick break. Want to get into some more of the tips that employers should know uh, when letting someone go. Maybe you qualify under that banner and you've just been let go. You have a package in front of you or you simply have questions. Give us a call. Lior is here to answer up in the Employment Hour. Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. And something else you want to uh, have a look at as well severancepaycalculator.com. This is an excellent tool. Yes, John, and and we've now had almost a year of the severance pay calculator under our belts. It's going to be a year later this fall. And as the name suggests, the severance pay calculator uh, provides uh, an an estimate of how much severance, how much compensation, how much termination pay or notice, whatever term you want to use, that a person's entitled to have if their employment is terminated. So uh, what do you do? Well, you go to severancepaycalculator.com or you download the Severance Pay uh, app on iPhone, iPad, and Android, and that's it. And then you enter some uh, information there, how long you've worked, the type of job, and your age, and it's going to tell you how many weeks or months you're owed. It can also calculate in dollars how much you're owed and, and how much the difference is, if there is a difference between what you've been offered and what you should have been offered. It's a great, it's a valuable tool. Uh, you know, we, we've created it because there's so many uh, misconceptions out there in terms of how much severance one should get, how it's calculated, what the formula is, and all of those, I can assure you, are completely and utterly wrong. So the severance pay calculator is the only way other than calling me and speaking with me live, which you, please, I encourage you to do, do that right now if you want. But other than that, you go to severancepaycalculator.com, find out how much severance you're owed. Even, by the way, if you just want to know what you'd be owed, if at some point you're let go, you, don't even, you haven't even been let go. You just want to know. You've, been always, you've always wondered. 
Uh, go to severancepaycalculator.com. And it also, by the way, allows you to contact me directly from the, uh, from the calculator uh, with your information if you want to. And, you know, every time we talk about this, it's funny because people use it and then they call you saying, you know, you've got a bug in your system. I don't know who designed this thing, but the number is way off. Way off. And so, so they call me saying, well, I think it's off. They also call me and saying, well, wait a second. Uh, I, I, I used the calculator and then I went on the Ministry of Labor website yes. and there it said something else. Your calculator said I should be getting 18 months severance. The Ministry of Labor website said eight weeks or right. something like that. Why, why the difference and, and why is the government telling me this? As I've said before, and we're not going to get into it in too much detail right now, but as the, the only thing that the government can tell you about the Ministry of Labor is only with respect to your bare minimum entitlements, the word minimum being key, not your full entitlements. Your full entitlements are significantly more than, than your minimum entitlements, and every employee is entitled to have them. So the severance calculator calculates your full entitlements, the, the full entitlements that the law says you should have. I don't say you should have. That doesn't matter what I think. It's what the law provides for you, and that's what the severance calculator does, severancepaycalculator.com. Uh, workplace rights, everybody thinks they know what they are. Some top misconceptions about those. Yeah, John, and really the reason when I started doing this show a year and a half ago was because of all these misconceptions. I, I talk to people for a living. Every single day I talk to people, I exchange emails, and every single time I talk to someone, they have some misconception about their workplace rights. Uh, and, and because they hear something from their Uncle Fred or they read something online or, or they, they just knew something back from a buddy childhood. Told them. Right, yeah. and, and, and almost always these are wrong. And people uh, proceed on the basis of these misconceptions, leaving on the table, walking away from entitlements that they have. And that's, okay. that's wrong. And, and that, you know, we have employment laws in Ontario, in Canada, that are quite good. So, uh, so really when I started doing the show was about telling people th- the truth, telling people that these misconceptions are not right and here's what really the truth is. So with that in mind, let me highlight a few of the top misconceptions. These are just some, and when I was creating this list, I, I could have kept going and going and going, but I had to cut it off somewhere. So mm. let's start in no particular order, John. Uh, one of the misconceptions that I see all the time is that overtime, in fact, is not paid to salaried employees. There's this conception out there, or misconception, I should say, that overtime is something that only hourly paid employees are entitled to have. So if you're an hourly employee, you make a certain amount of money an hour, then you get overtime. Uh, that's wrong. It's, it's not true at all. Salaried employee, if you get the salary of 50000 a year or whatever that, that amount is, you're still entitled to overtime. Now, how is overtime calculated? It's calculated on the basis of 44 hours a week or more. So if you work 44 hours a week or more, you're entitled to get paid overtime, uh, even if you get paid salary. So any hours over 44 have to get paid a time and a half. So no matter whether you're a salaried employee uh, or hourly, you have to get paid unless you're one of people, uh, one of the people that's exempt. For example, lawyers, doctors, accountants, uh, pool cleaners, they're all exempt. Uh, but otherwise, you get overtime. Now, there's a corollary to this, and that is uh, in terms of misconception is that you don't get overtime if you have the title of a manager. Well, the reason why there's a misconception, first of all, managers, true managers, mm-hmm. don't get overtime. So okay. if you manage people, you're, you're manager, you don't get overtime. But just because you have the title of the man of manager does not make you a manager. So if I, ha- if I take my, uh, my bookkeeper and I say, now you're the manager of bookkeeping, well, she may have the title of manager, but she's still not. She doesn't manage people. She doesn't have those responsibilities. So she'd still be entitled to overtime. So if you spend less than half your time doing non-managerial work, you're still going to be entitled to overtime, even if you have the title of manager and even if you spend some of your time 
doing managerial work. <coughs> Hourly rate's easy, but if you're uh, on salary, how do you calculate that over time? Simp- simple. You take whatever you make in a week. You, that's your, your weekly salary. Mm-hmm. You divide that by 44. That gives you an hourly rate. Cool. So let's say you divide that, it comes to 30. So you make $30 an hour, really. So for any hours over uh, 44, you're entitled to time and a half, which would be 45. So you take your salary a week, divide it by 44. That's your weekly rate, time and a half. That's your overtime rate. Give us a call if you have severance questions or anything else. Uh, more misconceptions. More misconception. Next one, John, you, you know it. Uh, people know we've talked about it before, but it's a huge one. And that misconception is that an employer can lay off someone temporarily. There's this misconception Mm -hmm. that a temporary layoff is legal. It's not legal. That is a misconception. A temporary layoff is a termination. An employer is not allowed to do that. If the employer lays an employee off temporarily, it's as if they've terminated their employment. That employer has to pay them severance, as if they just terminated them. Some exceptions to that, usually only when a contract of employment specifically gives the power to terminate the employment, or if you're working in the type of job where it's understood that that, that, that there's a right, maybe it's a seasonal job. But virtually in every other case, a temporary layoff is a termination. So you don't have to sit at home for months hoping and waiting for the employer to let you go. You can get your severance now and move on and look for another job. If, if it's a very short one, though, it's up to the discretion of the employee, right? They want to you know, rock, rock the boat, or if you can afford to sit back for a week and hope you go back. Right? Even with the longer layoff, an employee can say, well, I'm, I'm not going to treat this as a termination. I'm going to accept it. But what I'm telling you is that you don't have to do that. You have that right to make the choice. You can wait and hope that the employer calls you back, and that's fine. That's your call. Or you can treat that as a termination, get your severance right now today, and then move on and look for, uh, for a new job. Plus, if you do it once. Yeah, and that's the problem. If you do it once, if you allow the employer to do it once, to lay you off and then call you back, that employer would have gained the right to do it again and again and again, and then you can't really do anything about it. So that's a warned. problem. Be warned. Throw some questions at us. We'd love to answer them up. Leor will be here answering everything. We haven't stumped him yet. I'll throw some bat. No, basketball is not a good one either. You know basketball I know too basketball. well. I got to figure out a topic you don't know. We'll return to the employment hour on Talk Radio AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML. You can also call Lior at any time at 416-216-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. Before the break, we were talking about the top misconceptions about workplace rights. We did a couple big ones there for sure. Yeah, we talked about overtime. We talked about uh, temporary layoffs. So let me, uh, let me give you another one, John. And this is one that you've heard me talk about before. We even had some callers, I think even uh, as late as last week. So a lot of people are under the misconception that those working in the construction industry do not get severance if their employment uh, is terminated. That is wrong. That is a misconception. That is false completely without any any debate about that. Now, uh, so if you're working in the construction industry, if uh, if you're working for a construction company, you have the same rights in terms of severance, in terms of notice that an employee that's working in an office is going to be uh, uh, is going to have. So the fact that you're working in the construction industry does not change what you're owed. I cannot tell you how many people uh, are let go all the time uh, from, from in, in the construction industry. They get nothing, or maybe they get a, a week's pay or two weeks' pay, and they think, well, that's um, it's construction. That's what you get, and and that's that's all. Well, that's wrong. Why does this misconception exist? Where does it come from? Well, it comes from the fact that employees uh, that work in the construction industry do not have the same minimum protections as other employees. So the Employment Standards Act, as relates to termination and severance, do do not apply or does not apply to an employee in the construction industry. But again, those are only a person's minimum entitlements. Their full entitlements, what we call their common law entitlements, are the same. 
So you still look at the person's age, length of employment and position. You can still use the severance pay calculator uh, and, and determine the entitlements in the exact same way. So uh, all that means is that if you're in the construction industry, if you lost your job, uh, you get severance. If you're an employer in that industry, if you let someone go, you have the same obligations towards that employee as anyone else in another industry would have. So remember that that is a misconception. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale, talking about the top misconceptions about workplace rights. Right, John. So let me give you another one. Mm-hmm. And again, you, you've heard me talk about this as well. Uh, there's this misconception, and employers often have this, employees have it, that any type of misconduct allows the employer to terminate uh, employment with, uh, with cause, i.e. without severance. So people think, well, I did something wrong. Clearly, I, I, I screwed up. I, I didn't do a good job. So the employer can let me go for cause without severance. And employers certainly believe that. Well, that's not the case. That is a misconception. Cause is a very extreme remedy that's available for employers. That remedy is only available when the employee did the, the ultimate worst thing, that they've done something so bad that there's no way employment could be salvaged. There's no way any reasonable person is going to continue employing them. That is a very, very, very high threshold. And in the vast majority of cases that I see, the employer pulls the trigger on a termination for cause way before they should. So the employee may have done something and something or maybe even a few things that are not appropriate. But the question becomes always, does that rise to the level of cause? And in many of these cases, the answer is no. So remember, you may have done something wrong. Uh, maybe you, you know you did. Maybe there's even no excuse for it. But that's not the question. You can still be let go, but you'd have to still get your severance, your full severance, unless what you did is really bad. And in most cases, we'd want to see that there were previous warnings or suspensions, some history there, rather than you did something wrong once and then you were let go. Our courts, including the highest court in the country, the Supreme Court of Canada, has said that no, one incident of misconduct, unless it's something extreme, theft, theft, violence, anything like that, is not going to be cause. So a lot of people get this wrong. And and, and the thing about cause, you have to remember, John, it's an all or nothing type of a situation. Okay. If if you did something wrong that and you know it's kind of almost cause, well, that's no not almost cause. cause. It's not cause. Just like you can't be almost pregnant. We've yeah. said that. So cause is an all or nothing situation. So if you're if you're almost at cause, you still get your full severance without any discount. So okay. very important. Give me one more. So uh, let's let's do one more, John, and that is. Uh, Another misconception, it's actually a big one. I've dealt this week alone with this a couple of times. That misconception is that if you don't take your vacation, you lose it. A lot of employers have what we call a use it or lose it policy. So that's wrong. And and here's when we have to make a distinction between vacation time and vacation pay. So vacation time is actually the time that you take off work, that you're not at work, that the employer allows you to take off for vacation. Vacation pay is the payment that you received uh, when, you're not, when you're not working. So you can actually lose vacation time if you don't take it. So I, I get three weeks vacation a year uh, and I don't take it. The employer says, well, you know what, Lior? We're not going to allow you to take these three weeks off next year. You Doesn't lost it. We have a policy, uh, use it or lose it. Fine. But what the employer cannot do is say, you've also lost vacation pay. That vacation pay has to be paid out. So the employee doesn't have to be off on vacation to get paid their vacation pay. It could just be uh, added to their check. So you cannot lose your vacation pay. A lot of employers have a use it or lose it policy, and they think that that can apply also to the actual vacation pay. That is a violation of the Employment Standards Act. So that's not legal. 
so you cannot lose your vacation pay. You can only lose your vacation time. And a lot of employers, a lot of employees don't know that and they get that wrong. We'll take a short break. Got some calls coming through. Maria, hang on the line. We'll get to you. Employment Hour continues in Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. And uh, we got one coming through. Alvita, Toronto. How are you? Yes. Yes, very good, very good. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Yes, sir. Go ahead. What's your question? All right. Uh, last week, I got fired from my workplace. I was working there almost eight hour, eight years. So we had a little argument with our first manager. I am working as a uh, service technician in my service unit repairing on flow maintenance machines. So what we do, we sell the machine and we do the repairs and maintenance and warranty, everything. Sure. So I had a little argument with the sales manager. So he, right away, he kicked me out. Uh, he said, uh, just uh, get off from the workplace. Uh, nothing, give any reason. So mm-hmm. far, I didn't get any reason. They told me when I asked for the reason, they said, we will let you know. That's what and even I was, uh, I right. didn't have my lunch. By that time, I take my lunch packet and I came off. Now, uh, I take it this is not a union position? No. Okay. And uh, Alvita, how old are you? 64. Okay. So f- let me say this. Uh, the company is allowed to let you go even without reason, but but they have to pay severance. Absolutely. So the fact that they didn't give a reason, you know, I, I, it's not professional. I, I don't like it. But uh, it's not illegal. What makes it illegal is because at this point you haven't been paid anything. So let me give you a sense as to how much you had, you'd have to get paid. So you've been yeah. for, for eight years in your position that you've described to us. Uh, and, and, and you're in... Excuse me, sir. Yeah. But uh, last, uh, last year, I think 2012, from March to December, I was laid off and they hired me back. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. But you've been there a total of, of eight years. Right, sir. So you'd be entitled to, at your age, right around 10 to 12 months of severance, so quite a significant amount. Uh, now, the fact that you got into an argument with someone, maybe not a good thing, maybe something that the employer is not happy about, but that in and of itself absolutely would not be caused unless you were threatening someone with violence or anything like that. No, nothing. Exactly. So you're, so this is a wrongful dismissal, Alvida. Yeah. You're entitled to compensation and significant, 10 to 12 months, that's a significant amount. So uh-huh. I, I need you to give me a call off air. Uh, I'm going to give you the number in a second. And let's talk about it. I want to understand a bit more about your compensation. And then I can tell you how we can get you this, this, uh, this compensation that you're owed. And we're going to need to deal with it pretty quickly because what I don't want to have happen, because there's no letter of, of termination, I don't want them to say that you resigned. I don't want them to say that, no, no, you walked out on, on your own volition. I know that's not what happened. I don't want mm-hmm. them to be able to say that. So we need to be able to address that right away. So please, my number is 416-216-5900. And that's my direct number. So let's talk about that off air. I will do everything I can to help you. And your name, sir? It's Lior, L-I-O-R. L-I-O-R, Mr. Lior. That's right. That's me. Thanks, Alvita. Appreciate the call. It's good when you read the number and they repeat it back to you. Now yeah. you know he's going to call for sure. Now you know they can't get it wrong. We've got uh, Iona in Hamilton. Hi, Iona. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Okay, you got a question for Lior. Go ahead. Yes. Um, since uh, uh, 2010, I was uh, fired from my job, which at first the employer said they didn't fire me. But finally, like uh, we go back to them um, this, um, in August, 
August. Yeah. And they agreed that, yeah, we, well, they realized that they, because they give me a separation paper saying that I, I can't do the job that they have for me. So I had to go to unemployment and see if I could get job for somebody to help me to find a job, which my age, I was 60, well, 64 years old, 61. And, I, and I'm injured, so it was hard for me to get a job somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It was a WSIB case. We went to WSIB. We won the case at WSIB. Only that WSIB, they didn't pay me my full wage because they said I should look for a job. I didn't look enough for a job. So that's the only reason why they didn't agree. But they said there was no job at that place for me. Like So they were sending me, say, go find jobs somewhere else. But with my age and everything, I didn't, it didn't work out. So right now, what I'm doing with them, I didn't talk to them about severance pay because they didn't pay me severance pay yet. We didn't get into that. But I'm ha- applying for my pension. They sent out the pension office from the beginning to say that um, I was on leave of absence. And now they're sending now that they terminate me. When I call the pension office, the pension office is saying they can't understand because they were paying into my pension all these four years. Good. And all of a sudden now they said they terminate me since 2010. So, Iona, just so I'm clear, it's recently, this past August, that the employer said that they've terminated you? They they admit, they said it this August that they terminate me, but they admit that they terminate me since 2010. Right, but they, for the first time they admitted it now. So they, yeah. they didn't admit in 2010, they only admitted it now. Yeah, because we didn't go, uh, we didn't talk about it, like I didn't, because I was waiting on WSIB, mm-hmm. so I didn't get into the their part because I had WSIB okay. was uh, on my, at the time, so I'm looking into my WSIB case, so after, what they had told me before, they said, um, first she told me that um, in 2010 that she didn't have a job for me. Then after she said, um, yes, your job is here, but after WSIB case. Right. Gotcha. Now, okay. Iona, let, let, me, let me say this, Iona. If, if uh, the employer was denying letting you go uh, up until now, then you could do something about it. You're actually entitled to quite a lot of severance, potentially. If they... If they it's not an issue that they let you go in 2010, they admitted it, you'd be out of time because there's a two-year limitation period. But if they only admitted now for the first time that they let you go in 2010, then you, you, you can pursue this and you can get severance. Now, in terms of pension, that that depends on the terms of the pension plans. So I can't say much without seeing it. So this could be a complicated matter, uh, more than I can answer on the air without seeing some documents and getting more information. So please give me a call. I do want to see if I can help you. And you may be entitled to significant severance. We can also deal with your pension issue. So give me a call at the office. I'll be happy to help you. Iona, grab a pen. Here is the number, 416-216-5900. going to take a short break. And get to more phone calls here in the employment area right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Yours number, by the way, anytime outside of show hours, 416-216-5900. We'll go to uh, Ronaldo on line two. Hi, Ronaldo. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you for the opportunity. No worries, man. What's, uh, what's your question for Lior? Okay. Question. Um, I was, uh, it was an agreement for me to, to let me go. Because of a mistake that I made, and, and it was okay with me. Uh, however, uh, they asked me to make a letter of resignation, which I did, and um, it, and it was right there on the spot. Basically, I had only a few days after that to work, but uh, uh, I was let go. Okay, but the agreement was to do that letter, and and, and they will be quitting from my side, right? But uh, when I got my record of employment, 
actually they put there as a fire with uh, a dismissal with no return or whatever, something like that, which really hurt me because, uh, you know, I could not use that, not even as a reference, uh, because, uh, you know, it's very different quitting for a better job, better position, whatever the case is, and and, uh, versus, you know, being fired. So uh, what can I do in that case? Uh, Change the code for the record of employment, ask him to do that or... So first of all, Ronaldo, uh, how long did you work there for? Oh, it was a short-term thing, and it was agreed that uh, that I would work until I find something better. Uh, I worked there for about three months. So it's a three-month job total. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And so, so here's the thing, uh, Ronaldo. At the end of the day, uh, the only thing you could do uh, to to change what they've done, they don't have the legal obligation to change what's in the record of employment. Is you can uh, apply to EI and tell them that's wrong. And you want the EI to find a declaration that's different, but they probably won't do that because ultimately you're not going to get EI in any event for two re- for three reasons. Number one is you worked for a short period of time. Number two, if you resign, you're not entitled to EI. And number three, if you you were let go for cause, you're not entitled to EI. So this is probably a situation without much recourse. Unfortunately, uh, it's it's obviously wrong to say you you have to resign now. But if if you do that and they still provide a record of employment that's inappropriate. The only thing I would suggest to you is maybe speak with the company and say, can I still use you as a reference? Maybe they'll agree to that. Short of that, I don't think there's anything you can do. Should he have signed that resignation letter? He shouldn't have. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, that said, any severance that he'd be entitled to, it's probably going to be minimal in this case, given that the, 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 uh, what he said, there was an expectation this is going to be a short duration employment. So probably not much severance for him. Welcome, Maria. How are you? Hi. I'm fine. Thank you. So nice to have this program. I really listen to it a lot. Appreciate it. Um, uh, I've been on on disability since June 2012. I actually, um, I worked for a bank and I was robbed. And, um, yeah, now it just becomes the incident. But but anyways, I've been back and forth with the insurance and my doctor. Now, um, there was um, an offer to go back to work in January... Uh, 2000 and uh, just a little over 2014, yep. when um, they said to my employer, she can go back as far as two hours per day, uh, just so I can get used to the customer and all that. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to take it because they said two hours is too short. And they wanted the original, uh, like the four hour, minimum four hours at work. So anyways, one thing led to another, and I'm still on disability. And now the insurance, which is really stressing me out, I, I'm telling you, they're talented. Uh, but anyways, they put me, the doctor, they used the communication with the doctor. The doctor said that I am good, good to go back to work as long as it's something else within my career, which within the banks. Okay? Right. So then the insurance, um, they... They, um, they kind of reversed everything, saying that my doctor said I was okay to go to any type of job. Now, that's not what my doctor said. So, but now, do? I just got a call from the insurance uh, for my disability. They put me through a transfers skills analysis. So, that was somebody independent that called me and asked me about, as far as my experience and my career and everything like that. Now, what do they have to do with that, and why am I getting so much Okay. So first of all, Maria, thank you for your questions. With respect to the insurance, remember, as Sivan, my partner, was saying earlier today, the insurance company is in the business of getting you off 
the plan off insurance, right? They, they will do whatever they can to get you off. And in many cases, they're going to try it and push to do that before, in fact, you're, you're, you're in a position to get off, before it's, it's, uh, it's time. So what do you do in that situation? Well, uh, what you do is you have to speak to me or speak to Sivan, uh, and we can help you make sure that you stay on those benefits because that may be the best thing for you. That may be to stay on it till you get better, whether it's another week or a month or another five years. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's priority number one. And as Sivan was saying, in most cases, that is not difficult. That's the thing. Once you know what to do. So first of all, give me a call or give Sivan a call. John is going to give you the numbers in a second, uh, and we can help you stay on, uh, on benefits. Now, as it relates to the employer, let's say you are able to otherwise go back to work, and your employer says, well, we don't have a job for her anymore. We can't accommodate. At that point, that is a termination which means you're entitled to severance from your employer. This is not a situation where they can simply say, hey, we're not going to take you back. We don't have anything. So long, farewell. Uh, They'd have to pay you severance based on the length of your employment, your age, the type of job that you had. Uh, So either way, you're going to be entitled to compensation from the insurance company if you're still unable to work or from your employer if you can work and they won't take you back. Yeah, they can't force me. They can't force me into another job, can they? Well, they can't. But what they can't say, or they may try to say, is we think you should be able to work in another job, and if you don't want to, we're going to cut you off benefits. Exactly. They've already cut me off once. Right. And then I, um, I argued my case with them because I had a an appointment with a psychiatrist, which takes like a year. And so they said, well, since you're not seeing them on a regular basis, then that's it. So, so they kept me a little longer because of this appointment. Right. Well, you, now, need, you need someone to be there on your side and, and to work with you and fight for you on these things. With the insurance company, you really need to know the system. So, uh, John, please give her the number for Savan. She really needs to call him as soon as possible. Yeah, Maria, that number, and write this down. I'll give it to you right now and uh, to call Savan. It's 416-216-5910. 416-216-5910. That will be a very, very important phone call, so make it uh, as soon as you can. Monday would be... Just perfect. Right. Uh, We'll take a short break. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up. Talk Radio AM 640 and on AM 900 CHML. Get to our final few minutes here. We'll get to the uh, last one of the list of misconceptions about workplace rights. And, John, this is the big one. This is the the mother of all misconceptions. (laughs) Uh, And this this is really what our show always talks about repeatedly, Uh, and that is that there is some sort of a, a formula uh, as it relates to notice of termination of a week per year of service or two weeks per year mm-hmm. of service. And if, if uh, not a day goes by, let's just say this, where I don't speak to two, three, four, five people every day, five days a week, where uh, they call me and they say, hey, Lior, uh, I was let go and I, I didn't get my two weeks pay. And I say, well, wait a second. Why do you say two weeks? Well, it's because that's all I'm entitled to, right? I went to the Ministry of Labor website oh. and I worked there for two years, so they gave me my two weeks. Nonsense. That's not right. That's wrong, wrong, wrong. So there's no such thing as a week per year of service. That is not right. That is a huge misconception. That, that's completely wrong, completely false. Every employee is entitled to significantly more than that, okay? So we, we want to be very, very clear. That week per year formula is only with respect to your minimum entitlements, not your full entitlements. You're going to be entitled to a lot more than that based on your age, length of employment, and position. So every single day, people all over this province, all over the country, are losing their jobs. It happens, you know, no, no fault of their own, and they 
are under this misconception or they get that information from the Ministry of Labor and they end up accepting completely inadequate severance packages because of that misconception. So my, my goal in life, my goal professionally is to make sure that no one, no one ever is under this misconception, that people understand that that number, that week per year of service is irrelevant. Okay, please forget about it. It doesn't exist. It's irrelevant. Every person is entitled to a lot more severance than that. And we've talked before, how do you know how much severance really? Because it's not a week for every year of service. Mm -hmm. You call me or you call the show. You call me at the office or you go to severancepaycalculator.com and you find out exactly how much you're owed. Please, please, please don't be one of these people that's under this misconception that end up losing tens of thousands of dollars at the time that they need it most. It's amazing that, you know, it's not like the Ministry of Labor is making money off this. Can't someone who runs their website just go on and bold red type, these are only your minimal entitlements, please consult a lawyer or someone else for your full entitlements. That's all they have to that's do. That's all they have to do. And right? with exactly those words, it does not have to be any more complicated than that. That one sentence is going to literally change uh, lives for many people when they lose their jobs. Uh, and, and unfortunately, they don't do that. And I'm working to try to make them do that. And maybe one day I'll be successful. But until that happens, all I have is, is you know, this show to send out the message and hopefully people are listening. And I'm sure that exact question is right at the top of the list for TerminationQuestions.com, right? That's right. So we launched a new website uh, a couple of weeks ago, John, TerminationQuestions.com, okay? And what that is, is it allows people, gives them a forum to ask questions from me and, and the other employment lawyers that work in my office with respect to their workplace rights. So you're concerned about something that's happened. You don't know if it's legal. The employer maybe has made some changes to your compensation. Maybe you think you're going to be let go. Maybe you have been let go, and you just want to get an answer. You don't want to commit to anything. You just need an answer. Tell me if this is legal. Tell me what I'm owed. Well, now I've created that forum, terminationquestions.com. You log on to the website, John. There's a box there. You ask the question anonymously, and I'll answer. I'll answer right away. Within a few minutes, you'll get the answer right there, uh, and, and you can ask follow-up questions. It's, there's no charge for that. It's really to help people, inform people, terminationquestions.com. And I can tell you, John, that since we launched this website two weeks ago, it's really taken off. You can also see all the questions and answers anonymously on the website. You can search in case you, you want to get some information. Maybe already your, 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 the things you're interested in are already part of uh, the question and answers that we've done in the past. So really, really neat tool, terminationquestions.com. You can go on uh, online right now and check it out. Ask me questions. I'll answer. So I'm, I'm here on, on the air every Sunday. But, hey, I'm available in the same way uh, seven days a week. And I can almost guarantee you that, that you know those top five or top ten questions are already there and there's answers and people are wondering the same thing you are if you're listening to the show. Right? Absolutely. So by all means, people should go on there right now and check it out. I'll answer that and you'll, you'll, you'll get the straight goods and hopefully that will help alleviate some of those misconceptions you may have. So we're going to uh, pretty much wrap it up for another week. Any other things you want to cover before we wrap? Anything people should know? Well, what people, uh, what, what I always say for people is, is this. If you're uh, always, con if you're in a situation, you're concerned about your job, you want to know uh, what to do because your job is going to be terminated. We've talked about it, about that before, John. Uh, you want to you want to be prepared. You want to be uh, have the documents handy for you because when your job ends, if that happens, we want to be able to deal with that right away so that you can get your compensation right away. You don't want to have to wait long time to get your severance because in the meantime, how are you going to pay your bills? So you can help me help you 
by, by when you come to me, when you let go, being prepared, having your termination letter, having your contract of employment, having the information to respond to the employer if they've alleged cause. Because if you come and provide that to me, I can resolve your matter. I can get you your severance right away, sometimes within days. Uh, and then that allows you to, to, to continue with your lifestyle, to pay your bills, to pay for your kid's education, get your groceries, and buy you that time that you need to find another job. So very important, be prepared, and don't be afraid to make the call. I've made it easier to contact me. You call me, you give you the number, call me on the show, go to severancepaycalculator.com, or right now, even uh, brand new, go to terminationquestions.com. And a reminder, starting next week, we will have Savannah American in here as well. The Insurance and Injury Show begins next week at 12 o'clock, right till 1, and we will continue right on from there with the Employment Hour. It's been, uh, it's been a blast, guys. The numbers outside of show hours, again, Lior is 416-216-5900. Savannah's number is 416, very similar, 216-5910. Join us again next week right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.